Hey, it's Kyle D'Agostino with Pool & Company Architects in Birmingham, Alabama. And today we're going to talk with Faith Bauman and Kelly Mullins, who are both uh, designers here at Pool & Company. Faith's a registered interior designer who focuses a lot on healthcare work with us. And Kelly also focuses on healthcare work. In fact, she is the senior project manager who um, oversees our healthcare practice. So the three of us had the opportunity um, last week. Last week, yeah. yeah. Last week. Lots been going on in October. Mm-hmm. But uh, last week to attend the uh, Healthcare Design Conference in San Antonio, which <coughs> this was the first conference since COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they've taken a, they took a two-year hiatus um, and finally uh, got back on track. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to uh, talk to each other about uh, the things that we saw uh, at the conference and just sort of roundtable some of those ideas and, and hear what um, Kelly and Faith have to say about what they learned. Mm-hmm. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Faith, start, we'll start with you. What uh, what impressed you about the conference as a as a whole? I, I thought it was really well it was done. great. It was really really great. Um, I think mainly just having that much healthcare knowledge in one place was really nice. You know, we think we're often doing so much healthcare and we are in our own little world, but to see so many other places and companies and what they're doing and getting inspired by it, I think that was probably the biggest thing for me was being inspired because you know we get in the day to day. It was nice sure. to see how everybody's doing other things and. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Then there was the expo part that had all the new products and we got to see a lot of really awesome product, especially a lot of behavioral health products that were great things that we can use in products and projects that we're going to be working on next year. And that was great. I mean, what do you think, Kelly? Yeah, we had, I mean, it's just really great to have that partnership because there were a lot of, you know, architects and designers there, but there were also a lot of owners and clinicians and you know other mm-hmm. stakeholders there and um, a lot of you know product suppliers there as well so it was really a good you know roundtable discussion about you know all top all type of aspects of design and putting projects together and it was good to hear from each other that they struggle with the same things that we yeah. struggle with mm-hmm. you know yeah, I like that too mm-hmm. <laughs> how, to, how to balance things out and come out with the best with the best product and the best project yep. and, yep. Um, you know, all the challenges that we face are not uncommon to the challenges that they face and um, just seeing ways that they deal with them and, you know, learning mm-hmm. from their approaches and we can share ideas with each other and kind of, you know, grow together. So that yeah. was really great. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the facility was really, I thought was really awesome. I mean, that the, the um, convention center in San mm-hmm. Antonio was mm-hmm. really, really quite nice. Um, the I, I too got that feeling about being inspired, mm-hmm. and I've been to lots of conferences in my career, mm-hmm. and it, it they don't all uh, end up sort of making you feel like when you come home you can't wait to use some of that information yeah. or deploy some of that information on projects, um, and especially projects though that uh, are trending right mm-hmm. now. So we heard a lot about um, behavioral health yes. projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we heard a lot about um, 
about cancer facilities um, to projects uh, or two project types that um, we have been hearing some somewhat about here in the, mm-hmm. the Birmingham area. Kelly, what did what impressed you about uh, things that you heard about behavioral health projects? Um, just an ongoing, you know, struggle with um, just evolving technology, and um, you know, there's a constant iteration of new ways and devices that they're trying to constantly improve um, the environment for those um, patients and, you know, all the way down to every, you know, nut and bolt, literally, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. is in the the patient care environment, as well as the approach to, you know, how they're treating the patients and how that's evolving um, just the approach that different facilities are taking from the bedroom and the day spaces and um, mm-hmm. the types of therapy that they're doing with those patients is really interesting to see what different facilities are taking, you know, for those approaches. And um, some of them are, you know, beginning to push the boundaries beyond what the actual um, FGI guidelines and codes are really addressing right now. Yeah. But they're beginning to push those boundaries, which is great. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you yeah. know, it's beginning to help. I was, respond more. Yeah, I was actually really interested to hear one of the groups, I can't remember who it was now, but talking about how they actually had to get with the state agency and also with the folks who author FGI and talk to them about ways to consider the environments um, differently than the guidelines suggest or, right. or deviate. Yeah. And that they had great, had success in, um, in persuading um, those, those folks to, to see, you know, a different way of doing things. That was actually quite um, profound yeah. because, you know, I mean, there's really the not, the code, yeah. right? there's really not a behavioral health code. I mean, there's a couple of sections in FGI that talk about behavioral health units, but just as far as, what we're trying to do with the mental health crisis in our nation and our world. And then, you know, definitely post COVID we're flying in the gray zone. Like there's really not a a set of laws to fly by. So to get to see some of these things they were doing, one group had complexity intervention units where they would put behavioral health rooms on every floor of their hospital so Mm -hmm. that they would blend into their normal service lines. And that was kind of exciting because, you know, how many hospitals that we work for are out of behavioral health beds all the time. And how do you factor that in if they can't build a brand new ground up hospital? So, and some of that was about um, reducing the stigmatism associated with behavioral health Mm -hmm. services, right? Yeah. Turning it more into a standard and finishes and looks so that, you know, if I'm a patient that's there for behavioral health, I don't feel like I'm in a, a gel cell. And if I'm a patient who's there, not to be behavioral health, but I happen to be put in that room because there's no other room for me that I don't feel like I've been put in a room for somebody it wasn't meant for me yeah, for. Yeah, right. So being able to flex on, flex mm-hmm. on the, uh, the use and the acuity is, mm-hmm. is really important. I got kind of took that away from a number of the seminars where the more flexible the room, the greater chance that they'll have the ability to use it more often, right? Oh, yeah. The room's usually more expensive as a result, yeah. um, but... Uh, with census censuses uh, being what they are these days, it seems like that was making sense to a lot of the uh, mm-hmm. healthcare administrators at the conference. Mm-hmm. The um, and then they talked specifically about pediatric behavioral health, which is right up our alley since we've designed what forty or fifty thousand square feet of that type of facility here locally in Birmingham. Yeah. What were takeaways? There, Kel, did anything anything strike you? I think just, um, you know, that a lot of the facilities are going toward um, 
making the rooms um, conducive to allowing the parent to stay overnight uh, with yeah, the that child. Was, that mm-hmm. was a really interesting um, piece. Which is very different than the way they typically are designed yeah. right now. Um, and having that opportunity because, um, and not really having a, a parent zone and a patient zone, but having a way that they can um, connect to each other and, and really have a, a, a flexible type environment where they can, you know, lounge and be together, the parent and the yeah. child. So, so with the emphasis on, <clears throat> on other cohorts in the hospital, right, uh, mm-hmm. and inpatient uh, components of the hospital. The emphasis in, in the last, what, 15, 20 years has been on family-centered care, and the room mm-hmm. has gotten larger in an effort to allow the parents to be, uh, you know, uh, spend the night right, and right. siblings to spend the night. It was good to see, again, this yeah. idea um, of reducing the stigmatism associated with behavioral health settings. Yeah. Um, that that made a lot of sense to me, and in fact, I was surprised that that just hasn't been a thing. Yeah, yeah. One of the clinicians and one of the ones I went to was like, you know, Parents stay with their kids for every other yeah, thing right. in the hospital. Right. You know, if you're having surgery or whatever, you don't want to just drop your kid off and let them be there for a week and you don't get to see them. So mm-hmm. it just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Well, and it gives them the opportunity also to see and witness and to learn more of how they're treating the patient mm-hmm. and how to work with the child through whatever they're mm-hmm. going through. Yeah. You know, it really kind of helps the parent kind of learn first, you know, firsthand on mm-hmm how they're working with their child, and so that could help them as they go home. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing I I noticed, let's see, I think I went to three or four seminars just on behavioral health alone. I think I did too, yeah. Right, pediatric. (laughs) Is that there are resource centers associated with Mm -hmm. with, uh, these these facilities so Mm -hmm. that the parents can, can get more information about whatever it is that their their child is going through or their or their spouse or sibling etc so and that those settings were of course this has been a trend in healthcare for a long time but those settings were very hospitality-esque yeah right right? yeah less less emphasis on institutional and more emphasis on on being a warm Mm -hmm. um, friendly um, Mm -hmm. hospitality driven environment which you know it's uh, it's um so what do you think about that faith as an interior designer? <laughs> what does that what does that say to you? I mean, I, I saw a lot of product at the product fair that was a lot less of, you know, your standard rotomold plastic behavioral health furniture that looks like it goes in a prison, you yeah. know, and there was a lot more emphasis on weighted things. There were even pediatric specifically sized uh, behavioral health chairs mm-hmm. and things that, you know, make it look a little more kid friendly. But um, I mean... It's, it's definitely a challenge from an interior standpoint because you've got to think about the construction of everything, but you also, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity to. I think with some of the work we've done in the past, we've had the opportunity to kind of, there is no standard there. There is no, you know, it's all custom everything, trying to be the safest and ligature resistant, tamper resistant that we can be. But there's definitely a trend in the finishes and in the furnishings market to go more of that resi Marshall kind of word more mm-hmm. more homey less I feel like I'm sitting on a big plastic box yep. kind of thing bolted to the ground right <laughs> yeah um no it's a lot a lot of design challenges to overcome there and when you're trying mm-hmm. to create a a thoughtful healthcare environment that mm-hmm. does not have that um institutional detention feeling for sure mm-hmm. um the not only in the behavioral health uh, realm, but also really just healthcare in general, especially uh, 
when you're trying to be in line with the sort of the ideas of hospitality, the access to daylight just continues to be mm-hmm. a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, daylight, um, access to the out of doors, um, whether you're a child or an adult, but they, uh, I got the emphasis that for children, having the outdoor play spaces was, was a really uh, important aspect. Mm-hmm. What, Kel, did you... Did you go to that seminar that uh, where they were showing all those uh, play spaces? No, not for the children. Not for the children. I opened in that one. The, yeah, I was. Did you go to that? One? I don't think I did, but okay. we were Kelly and I both went to one on ICU best practices, and they mm-hmm. talked a lot about you know you even if somebody's in a coma or if somebody's you know on ECMO or whatever, they still need really good access to daylight and it doesn't need to be this if you can it doesn't need to be this little tiny window that looks over the roof at an air handling unit it needs right. to be something that allows them to see the patterns of you know sunrise sunset or if you can't do that you know artificially doing it with circadian rhythm lighting and, mm-hmm. and how important that is to the overall healing um their episode patients episodes of i'm waking up out of anesthesia or sedation and they're startled that startled sensation and trying to get back to a state of not being startled and all those episodes that increase blood pressure that increase all that stuff are actually impairing them from healing right um and that's you know we don't think about things we do like that impairing healing of a patient but just the right lighting whether it be natural or thinking about if i can't get natural my artificial better be pretty darn good you know, that's going to yeah. affect the outcome of this patient may be here a week or it may be here two months. And then, then there's a spiral of what does that do to, you know, profits for your hospital you're working for? It sure. just kind of goes well, you know, throughput, down the rabbit trail. Right. Throughput, yeah. throughput, throughput, but also, um, you know, throughput with, a, with an appropriate, with a satisfactory healing right. outcome mm-hmm. is important. I remember years ago when we were redesigning the Benjamin Hospital, Benjamin Russell Hospital for Children, the debate uh, for NICUs is whether or not they were going to be open ward or private room. Mm-hmm. And the evidence-based design uh, information came back saying, you know, that all of the the monitors and the noises and mm-hmm. the activity, even for an unconscious um, uh, neonate, was was an impediment to their healing process, yeah. right? The buzzers and the beeps and the, all the things that are going on and going off all the time. Yeah. And so they, th- um, right. that was, I, that was always very interesting to me that sub in their subconscious or in their unconscious state, mm-hmm. that that can have an effect on, on the healing process. And like you said, with coma folks in a coma, I mean, I think there's still evidence to suggest that, you know, the rhythm of the day mm-hmm. um, is still apparent, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere for that patient. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, and the other thing that comes with that daylight, you know, the age-old bathroom on the exterior or bathroom on the interior for yep. an inpatient or a med surge <laughs> room, right? And so I, it's surprising to me that, that, that for 20, that, that I've been doing this now for 30 years, you for over 20, you for mm-hmm. over 10, um, that we're still talking about, you know, with the best place mm-hmm. to put the bathroom as it relates to having a better view. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've, have we... How, how uh, what way do we usually consider that whichever way they fit in the existing condition yeah. that we're given that's usually <laughs> that's i mean fair. to be honest it's fair yeah so yeah it's a, the adaptive reuse of an existing facility we often have to make those decisions yeah. based on what we're given the uh other thing that uh was talked about did either of you go to the uh you know like a comprehensive cancer center um mm-hmm. seminar which one did you attend i attended one um that last day <sighs> The cancer center. Yeah. So what what uh, 
What were some takeaways from just the design and operation of, of cancer centers that you found interesting? I think just, um, you know, just uh, bringing all those, uh, all the functions, uh, the needs of those patients together in one place and, you know, having that synthesis together. Um, You're talking about the marriage of inpatient and outpatient and right. D&T services. Right. And there's sing- one hub. And, yeah, right. Um, so I think that is, you know, very beneficial. But Did we go to the one where they had, had um, alternate the stack? Yeah. Yeah, so it was outpatient, inpatient, outpatient, inpatient, mm-hmm. and, and the, the two the two floor stacks. Right. Yeah, I really found I found that very interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cost of outpatient versus inpatient um, construction is significantly different. And when you stack them like that, you know, you basically have to build the whole building to an institutional uh, requirements, which is mm-hmm. the more costly of the two. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that was an urban environment, and they didn't have much dirt to work with, so it seemed like that made sense to them. <laughs> It was interesting, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Did you go to any? I didn't go to any cancer ones, but I went to a couple on nursing uh-huh. and nursing resilience, um, which we had kind of heard from some of our local facility directors how important, you know, the nursing and doctor-physician burnout has been post-COVID. Just, you know, they have nowhere to go. and yeah, a lot of and post. Right, yeah. right. And, and just thinking about what can you do for staff to, you know, in the average nursing, I think I was looking at my notes here, the average nursing burnout in ICU is 6, 6% up to 47%. And that's, that's pretty staggering. The average age of a nurse in the United States is about 52 years old, which that means that there are a lot of nurses in this country about to phase out, retire, and a lot of new ones are coming on board. But it was just talking about, you know, for the mental health of your staff, yeah. the the place that doesn't need to get cut from your space program is somewhere for the staff to be on a unit. And so often, you know, we're, we're told, you know, we need another patient room, that space, that break room can go, that whatever can go. Mm-hmm. And I think it reminded me, we've got to be an advocate for our end users to tell them, I don't know that you really want to do that. You actually might want to think about this. And maybe instead of a break room, we put in, you know, some rooms with a quiet room with somewhere they can get away and they can book it privately. So they're not, you know, having other staff come in because I mean, what do you do if one of your patients passes? What do you do if, you know, you're under a lot of stress, where do you go? And a break room where someone's heating up their leftovers is probably not the place you want to do that. So that was, that was great for me. And it was taught by a couple of nurses and just carrying their feedback of these things don't exist for us. Where do we go? And, you know, the human perspective of, of healthcare and, you know, sure. the staff that yeah, is working it. Patient, yeah. The providers. The providers. Now, I mean, COVID shined a very bright light on the stressful nature of the healthcare worker environment. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's now there's a lot of a lot of emphasis on trying to to provide um, environments for the mm-hmm. for the nursing staff to uh, to recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, resilience. Um, I think I went to one where they talked about um, uh, yoga rooms and lavender rooms and um, uh, what did they had a couple other interesting um, kitschy names for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think this is this is really important. And the evidence again, the evidence based design uh, information suggests that uh, uh, nurses that can take a fifteen minute break in a room where they're not smelling somebody else's spaghettios mm-hmm. right, is is an important <laughs> um, important component to um, their mental health and to um, the burnout rate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, build a room. Yep. 
and the cost of that room will pay back uh, a thousandfold. In FTEs, for sure. FTEs Mm -hmm. that stick around long enough to uh, to be valuable. Yep. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, San Antonio is cool. I thought. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the city? What did you like about the city, Faith? Well, Kelly and I got to go to the Alamo, which um, if you've ever been to San Antonio, and I had not before this, it was a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be. But it was very neat. I mean, to think about a building that's been there that long, built out of of rocks, stacked on top of each other with mortar. It was really neat. Um, There was a lot of great architecture. That Let's talk about that that awesome hotel we went to in that whole, that district. Uh, The the Emma. The Emma Hotel. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Pearl was the district. Yeah. Yeah. It was was very cool. Yeah. A lot of adaptively reused um, warehouse buildings and old brewery Mm -hmm. association buildings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just good design. You know, it's it's nice for us as designers and architects to get out and go see really good design you know just things are like they didn't have a budget they just got to do what made sense and was just really exciting and that's that was what that hotel was to me was Mm -hmm. you know just great design and getting to to be there on a weekend too because Mm -hmm. that saturday when we went you know they had the market going there was lots of families and um, just people enjoying it and out and you know, booths set up and kids playing in the mm-hmm. water and mm-hmm. just all kinds of things. That's right. It, it is was great. Adjacent to the Riverwalk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was impressed with the Riverwalk. I mean, I, I was imagining a slightly larger river, but the way that they have it confined and, and mm-hmm. um, landscaped mm-hmm. is it's really quite nice. I actually got kind of a, a Venetian feeling mm-hmm. with the bridges and the underpasses and the boats. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be a little bit of a stretch to say Venetian, but it's, <laughs> it, re- when it reminded me of being in Venice for mm-hmm. a minute. I thought it was, you know, it was really nice. And yeah. the activity along the river was, was fabulous. Yeah. It's a cool city. Um, what else? Anything? Anything uh, closing statements on what you were impressed with, with the conference or just healthcare design in general? I just think in general it was a it was a good conference. I mean, I've yeah. I've been to Neocon before, and Neocon's great for any any designers to go to Neocon. It's great, but <clears throat> this was hyper focused on what I focus on, which is healthcare. Yep. So I wasn't having to sort through. This is not relevant to what I'm trying to do every day. But yeah. um, I mean, we saw some amazing products. Reps have already been reaching out to us. I've actually already ordered a couple of tester things for our some of our healthcare clients from Good. things we saw. So it was, you know, it was inspiring. And I think next year is to New Orleans, so maybe we can road trip it down there. I think it's something that as a company will be beneficial for us to attend in the coming years. I don't yeah. know if that's every year, whatever that looks like, but it's just, yeah. it's good to get, you know, a lot of CEUs, which is great, but also just to learn just new things. Yeah. I mean, although our business, like other businesses are competitive and we're, you know, always competing for the next job and, and against our other design architect, interior design brethren, I, I'm always impressed uh, at conferences like this, that people are coming together. They're sharing their ideas. They're helping the, you know, people all over the country and the world um, be exposed to the ideas and the new, uh, the new ideas, the new thinking, um, mm-hmm. and, the, and uh, the technology uh, that is being deployed or that they're utilizing to help them with their um, design planning, that they're willing to share all of that. You know, it's somewhat open source, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate I'm hearing that, and I also liked hear, also did like hearing that we're not uh, uh, on an island here in Birmingham struggling with uh, with 
coming up with ideas to solve healthcare um, environment you know, mm-hmm. design problems that uh, the folks all across the country are, are having the same mm-hmm. issues. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate you taking the time to share your experience at the uh, Healthcare Design Conference in San Antonio. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to the two of you uh, after New Orleans next year. Yeah, sounds good.